This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Our new book, Highs, Lows and Decanios, is now on general sale, just in time for Christmas. Myself, ex and West Ham Way writer Sid Lambert relived the madness of being a West Ham fan in the 90s. It was a decade where football changed forever, thanks to the Premier League. But what didn't change was the agony and ecstasy of life at Upton Park. In Highs, Lows and Decanios, we cover everything. The managerial madness of Macari, Bonds and Redknapp. And we also remember the colourful cast of characters who played in Claret and Blue, like Julian Marco Bugas, Florin Radichoyu, and of course, the one and only Paolo Di Canio. It's all there in our new book. So if you want some 90s nostalgia this Christmas, go to thewestamway.com forward slash shop and get your copy of Highs, Lows and Di Canio's today. You're listening to the West Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. We give our thoughts on the World Cup, now we're a week into the competition and England's performance so far before we go head-to-head on our best ever World Eleven since 1990 with some challenging rules in place along the way. We get the latest news from X, then finish with questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. X, another week has passed in the World Cup. What do you make of the competition so far? Um, I don't know, you know. It's, I like it because obviously I've been able to watch so many games. And it's brilliant. That, like, the football is on constantly. And, you know, it has been interesting. It's probably the right word. But I wouldn't say I've been absolutely, like, flabbergasted by the quality of football that's been on, on show so far. I mean, there's been certain games, you know, France have looked good in, in periods. Obviously, Spain did in their first game. The Germany-Spain game last night was entertaining. I mean, it wasn't the greatest game, but it was it was worth watching. Um, so, a bit 50-50. I'm hoping when you sort of get to the later rounds, you know, after these league groups are finished and you've sort of got rid of the sort of 
the lesser teams, the games in the next rounds, which are knockouts, obviously, will be a lot more exciting. That's the hope. And I wouldn't say it's the worst World Cup I've watched, but it's certainly not the best at this point. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, you know, because oh, I've really enjoyed it so okay. far. Yeah. I think politics aside, I think it's been really good. I think the football's been entertaining, not guaranteed every single game, but entertaining enough for me to class this as a decent tournament so far. Some great goals, a bit of controversy here and there. Um, some shocks along the way as well. I mean, look at the Saudis beating Argentina, Japan beating Germany, even Morocco beating Belgium was an eyebrow raiser for me. So I think it's been good fun. But what did you think about the game against America? Um, it was a disappointment, I'd say. I mean, I'm not getting mm. completely carried away like a lot of people do. You know, we've got a reactionary fan group, whatever it is, West Ham, America, uh, America, England, wherever it may be. Um, so I'm not going completely, oh, this is awful. Sack Southgate, we're out, doom and gloom. I think we could have played better. I think, you know, USA aren't the best team we're going to hopefully face this tournament. Um, however, they aren't. As mug, like they aren't, they aren't as big a mugs as people are making out. They are decent, mm. you know. They have got some good players who've struggled with them in previous tournaments. I think the manager's substitutions were poor. Sounds like I'm talking about West Ham again here, but <laughs> I want the substitutions were poor. I don't understand taking off Bellingham for um, Henderson. You put Henderson on when you're trying to close out a game, not when you're trying to win a game. Um, so I thought that some of the tactical decisions in terms of subs was was surprising. I think some of the players weren't quite at their best. However, at the end of the day, if we go and beat Wales tomorrow, then it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant, that game. So the main thing is we beat Wales tomorrow, get a decent draw in the next round and keep going. No team in my memory of World Cups and my memory of any football tournament really is absolutely top draw in every single game they play. You know, mm. look at, you know, when England got to the Euro final last time, we, our second game, which obviously USA was the second game, was a poor game against Scotland and everyone started moaning them. You know, you look at Brazil, they often take a while to get into their stride italy have taken their time in certain tournaments you know for example denmark 1992 european championships didn't even qualify they only got in because of a war <laughs> you know so i got the hiccups mm. i do apologize a war in um yugoslavia so you know teams peak at different times i do think it wasn't like i said i don't think it was entertaining i don't think it was the greatest performance but ultimately it's kind of irrelevant. The Wales game is the one now. Whereas if we win that well and play well, then it sets us up really well for the next stage. It does, yeah. And look, the bottom line is we are going into this final group game in a good place. And I think we have to lose something like 4-0 against Wales to get knocked out. And that's not going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. I mean, look how they struggled against Iran. I mean, we put fucking six past them. They lost 2-0. So I think they're a side that's that's massively in trouble. Um, I can't see them getting anything from England, to be honest. So I think we'll go through comfortably, hopefully as winners of the group. And like you say, it starts to get exciting then, doesn't it? But uh, we've often spoken about songs on this podcast, usually in relation to West Ham players, of course. But thanks to the beauty of the internet, this week we were blessed with this absolute banger. Do you remember? Before the Euros, there was a footballer. But nobody knows. Now it's the World Cup. And he scores his goal. His name was Jack-Jack. Jack-Jack, Jack-Jack Greenish. His name was Jack-Jack. Jack-Jack, Jack-Jack Greenish. And you're like, he's my barber. Oh, he's my boo-boo-boo-boo. Oh, he's my barber. He's my boo-boo-boo-boo. Oh, I cannot wait to sing that one down the pub with the lads. Fucking hell. Right. Um, last week, we gave you our best England 11 with the only rule being that it had to be from 1990 onwards because that's really 
the first international tournament that we can remember. This week, we're giving you our best World Eleven that also has to be from 1990 onwards, but this time there's a twist. Myself and X are going to be going up against each other by picking our sides, and the additional rule to the game is that we have to pick a maximum and a minimum of two players from each country. So this means, for example, if you wanted Ibrahimovic, you would have to choose another Swede to be in your best 11 as well. So obviously there are 11 players, not 10. So this leaves a spare man when picking the twos. This spare man can quite simply be from any country you like, but not from a nation that you've already chosen from. Does that make sense, X? It does. And, it, and I'll tell you what, it is bloody hard to do. It's really tricky, isn't it? It's, do, it yeah. presents a challenge. Especially as you're going post-1990, because there was a few players I had a massive dilemma about. Like, I had a dilemma about Maradona, obviously known as one of the greatest footballers ever to have lived, played yeah. in the 1990 World Cup. They obviously they got um, through to the final um, against Germany. But um, 1994, he got kicked out for drug use and stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, do I put him in? Because he wasn't actually that good 1990 onwards. Um, Rude Hullet. Love Rude Hullet. One of my favourite all-time players because I was a big mm. AC Milan supporter. But then I thought to myself, did he really do it in World Cups? You know, am I basing that on? Am I basing this on club football or World I Cup? I think you football? can base it uh, them as a player in total. Like, they okay. have to have been capped by their country but I think it's unfair to make a judgment on a player purely based on what they've achieved with their national side because ultimately they could be let down by the rest of the players they're playing with so it's them as a player from 1990 onwards but they have to have been capped by their country because and they, I don't know if that changes things for you I don't know well you could have thrown in George Best okay I know he's not after 1990s you know you could have thrown Ryan Giggs possibly because you know, he never played at a World Cup a World Cup um, mm. but I, then you'd have to have another Welsh player unless he's yeah, your, exactly. your spare man because you are an mm. one that isn't um one player that isn't with another one, so it's, it was really, really tricky. You know, you look at the Brazil side. I was, I was playing around with my God. Who do you pick from that? You know, you can yeah. pick anyone. And then I was thinking about people like Mbappe. You know, mm. I think he was uh, eighteen World Cup, and he looks like he's potentially going to be the best player this World Cup. But I was like, is it too early to judge him? in a world 11 is it like is he is he comes a bit too soon and i was looking about messi and ronaldo and it's just i'd made i found this really really hard one of my favorite ever players as well alongside him it was roberto baggio but i really struggled with him as well because he was kind of up to 1994 and then not that much after so yeah gas yeah gascoigne was another you know brilliant 1990 world cup but then yeah. Euro 96 and then that was about it so yeah before before we eliminate everyone else in world football other than who you've actually chosen should we get on with the game (laughs) (laughs) we don't want to give too much away we want to add a little bit of suspense to our choices these these people I might have included I'm just saying okay okay, yeah okay okay Um, well look let's start with the formations and what we'll do is we'll start with the keeper then the defenders then the midfield then the um, the attackers but we'll take a defender each, a midfielder each, alternately, rather than you name everyone, then I name everyone, yeah? Okay, yeah. Okay, right. First things first, formation. What are you going with? So, I, again, really struggled with the formation, but because there were so many midfielders that I wanted to include, um, and I have got a couple of midfielders stroke forwards on the wing, I um, I went with, wow, Serbia free, Cameroon free, just popped up on my phone. Oh, wow. 
Cameroon were one nil up, and Serbia went three one, and then Cameroon have just got two back. So maybe I take back what I said at the start of the um, yeah. So, I, just, you know, I think it's been entertaining so far. I really, yeah, there have been some good games, definitely. Um, anyway, so I went with three centre backs, a sort of a holding midfielder, four midfielders, and then two forwards. So essentially three five two. Okay, interesting, interesting. So I've gone for a four three three, but the three in midfield are two central midfielders and a number ten. That okay, sit so behind I've got a no full backs. Right, okay, that's interesting. So you've got three uh, defenders to talk about. I've got four. But before we get there, let's talk about the goalkeeper. Okay, so this was massively hard for me because, again, Buffon is one of my favourite all-time goalkeepers and he's still playing at 43 or whatever he is now, 44. He's an absolute legend of the game. So I was yeah. really, so my instant thought was Buffon when I started doing this. And then when I was playing around with players, that only meant I could have, like, one more outfield Italian, which mm. really limited me. And then I was thinking about, sort of, oh, there was a German that I wanted in the team. And then I was thinking, well, I need another German. So anyway, I then got it down to Neuer or Kahn, basically a German goalkeeper. And then I was torn between the two of them. I just think Kahn was arguably, alongside Schmeichel, possibly the best keeper of the 90s, really. Mm. Um, and played for Germany in World Cups. But then Neuer is like a brilliant goalkeeper and has won the World Cup for Germany and has been a, you know, Bayern Munich star player for years and years and years. And he was the first real sweeper keeper. And when you see how attacking my team is, you're going to realise <laughs> I actually need a goalkeeper that's going to have to probably clear up a few of the balls over the top as well. Right, and right, okay. And considering Neuer is known to be the best at doing that, he, he just gets the nod for me. Right, yeah. I mean, the thing is, both of these teams are going to be amazing because when you're talking about a best 11, uh, there isn't really going to be any weaknesses per se. Um, but I have chosen a different goalkeeper and I have chosen to use the wild card from the get-go of the one that can be any nationality. So this is an isolated nationality. There isn't another one from the same country and that is Peter Schmeichel. So superb keeper. We all know that. Unbelievable presence. Domestically won everything. For Denmark, he won the Euros. Some people forget that. Um, and uh, I think there was a public poll, looking at my notes here, held by Reuters, in which the majority of the 200,000 participants voted him as the best goalkeeper ever. And I would have been one of them. So I can't look past Big Pete, if I'm honest. And also, looking at his stats, he actually scored for Denmark, apparently. Yeah. So if, if ever you're struggling, you know, if this side is struggling... Lump him on up front for the last five, and who knows what could happen. So yeah. I'm going with big Pete between the sticks for me. Okay. Defenders. Now, you go first with this because you've got three to talk about. I've got four. Let's start with the centre-halves, X, okay, because well, we can do a bit of an alternate, and then maybe I'll wrap up the defenders with my fullback. So who's your first centre-half, mate? So I've got obviously got three centre-halves. So playing on the left of my centre-halves is... I, in my opinion, alongside Bobby Moore, but obviously Bobby Moore came before 1990, is the greatest defender, in my opinion, to have played the game, uh, plays for my Italian team, or played for my Italian team. His dad also played for the team. His son also played for the team. Absolute legend of Italian football. Um, and surely one of the most classy defenders ever. Um, it's got to be Maldini. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, it's a great shout. That's a great shout. Uh, well, I will start with one of my centre-halves because it's also Maldini. Okay. So, uh, El Capitano, um, what a centre-half he was, there. So just oh, incredible. Could also play left-back, so he had that yeah. versatility. Uh, domestically spent his whole career at AC Milan and up until 2020 had the most Serie A appearances with 647, but this was eventually broken by uh, Gianluca Buffon, uh, someone you've already spoken about. And he played till he was 41, Maldini, you know, which was yeah. well impressive. Never won a, a trophy with Italy, though, which is quite amazing, actually, but one hell of a player. Did he not win the World Cup in 2006? Or did he retired by then? I think he might have retired. I don't know. But he's, he's looking at the stats, there. he wasn't down as a World Cup winner. Uh, no, he's not. He must have he must have retired before that for Italy. Uh, yeah, mm. He retired in 2002. So, yeah, he just missed that World Cup. That's a shame. But a, a fantastic start to the defensive lineup. Give us your second yeah. centre-half, mate. Right. So, this is the one that I was least keen on. Least keen on when you think of all the great defenders that have ever played the game. So I missed it. I must admit, this is my weak link, and I was really torn because maybe, maybe I paid too much attention to who, how many world, like having World Cup winners in my team. I think that I maybe got a little bit carried away with actually wanting people to have achieved something in world football. So in order to have another one of his compatriots in the side, I've gone from for Puyol of uh, Spain and Barcelona. Now, I don't think he was the greatest of defenders, but from sort of memories of watching him, he's quite tough, gets stuck in, no-nonsense defender, doesn't take any shit. I've stuck him in the sort of centre of my back three, so I've got a bit of a more classy centre-backs around him, and then he's my sort of get-stuck-in and and fight and leader and he won the world cup in 2010 won shit loads of things with barcelona so um yeah he he got it but i accept that's if you're the opposition manager that's who you're targeting i think you have to play this game with a little bit of give and take so this is obviously your little bit of give in terms of Puyol sounds like he's been used as a gateway to use a second Spaniard in this team by the sounds yeah. of it. Is that right? So yeah. I have also done the same and that gateway who, by the way, was also a quality player uh, is Yap Stam. Yeah. So he's my one where you could argue potentially there would have been better options out there. Mm. Um, still a fantastic player though. Yap Stam, yeah, yeah, make yeah, no definitely. mistake. I mean, bloody hell. Um, no, do you, remember that song, do you know that song Man United had? about him and it was so true it was um was it yip yap stam is a big dutch man get past him if you fucking can try a trick and he makes a dick yip yap yap stam yeah 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 i do remember it i mean domestically yeah. his honors are impressive when you look at his international career i'd give him the nickname of erectile dysfunction because he can never do better than a semi could he but what a player what a player uh yap stam so um i did look at Puyol, uh, I don't think I've actually included any Spaniards in this team without wanting to give too much yeah, away. So I didn't until right at the end. I didn't have any Spaniards, and then I was looking at, I was watching the, I was watching them yesterday in the World Cup, and they were talking about how we, they've got this new generation of players coming through that are replacing the legends of the 2010 team. And I thought to myself, Spain won the Euros and the World Cup. They won a 2010 World Cup, didn't they? And then the Euro 2000. 
12, wasn't it? I think. And that Spanish team was absolutely awesome. Uh, and, yeah. and it made me think, how can you not have a, a Spanish team? And now Puyol's, I'm just looking at him now, he's quite short for a centre-back. He's five mm. foot ten, But he played 392 times for Barcelona's senior team. Um, mm. and, and he played throughout from 1999 to 2014. I mean, Barcelona were the absolute dominating force of... Um, of uh, Football then, it was actually the 2008 Euros they won, not 2012. Um, so he won the 2008 um, Euros and the 2010 World Cup. And, and he was like, Spain had never won anything before that, had they? And the, it was always talked about, when will Spain ever win something? And I think he just did that. And as I say, my team is full of leaders. And you're going to need yeah. it because you're going to need my midfielders to be disciplined because they're going to have to do some defensive work. So you need your centre-backs to be proper old-school defenders that are going to get stuck in gonna command the back line and that's why he made it for me yeah it's a great shout um and one thing that he definitely was was a leader i liked that about him and uh you know i, I think it's a good shout I, like i say yap stand for me he, he was a great 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 center half great center half so again it's an interesting debate because what we class as arguably the two weak links in our uh, in our defence, the two world class players, as everyone's going to be in this uh, world eleven. So that's interesting. Who's your third and final centre half? So this is where um, you, when you think about great defensive sides, you don't you always think of the Italians. The Italians have mastered the art of defence. Well, they had done um, in, certainly in, for a large periods. And I just, the amount of quality, classy centre-backs that Italy have produced over the years, you know, you could talk about Baresi and Costa Curta, and they're all Milan-related as well, is my bias towards AC Milan. Um, and, you, and you think through Maldini, obviously, we've said, and there's just there's just so many. Cannavaro was another one, which I was really, really torn between putting in the team. Really, really torn between, but I just, just gave it to Nesta. Nesta just mm. edged it for me. So he, he is there... So, um, alongside uh, Maldini and Puyo. Right, okay. His peak was so good. He was an unbelievable player, wasn't he, Nesta? And do you know what? You're right. It, Italy are the poster boys for defensive play, aren't they? And and yeah. you look at the list of defend, uh, defenders they produced, it's actually quite incredible. So that is a solid back three, mate. I've got to and say. he's won the World Cup three. as well. Yeah, yeah, good player, Nesta. Um, so let me give you my last two defenders because you're done now for defenders. I've got two more to talk about. So my my centre halves are Maldini and Yapstam, solid, and then I've gone for two fullbacks. Right, first one is R- Roberto Carlos. Yeah, that's uh, who I think if you'd have played a back four, you'd have used him as well. Hundred percent, he's the he's the obvious choice for left. Of course back he is, and, and I was so tempted to play him on the left wing, like it's like a left wing back, so I could get him in. But I had two Brazilians ahead of him. So he was like my third choice Brazilian. So he just missed mm. out. Mm. He started his career in Brazil as a forward. Did you know that? No, I didn't. No, but it explains with his shooting, doesn't it? It does. It does. I mean, he spent most of his career as a left back, as we know, and has been described as the most offensive minded left back in the history of the game, which I don't think you can argue with. But he was quick. He was strong. He played with intensity and had one hell of a free kick on him. So my first Brazilian is Roberto Carlos in at left back. And my right back option is going to be Zanetti. 
Javier Zanetti. Yeah, what a player sure. he was. Again, yeah. played um, a, a lot of games in Italy. Argentinian, as you know. Um, 144 appearances for Argentina. 615 for Inter Milan, where he played a crucial part in that famous treble winning season back in 2010, by the way. Versatile as well. More than capable of playing as a winger. But for me, he's in at right back. And I think that makes a solid, solid back four. Mate. Yeah, really, really good. I mean, I'm just looking at Zanetti now. Do you know, I didn't actually consider him, but that is a that is a great shout. He paid 615 times for Inter Milan, 1995 yeah. to 2014, 714 games in total. Played 145 times for Argentina. I mean, mm. never won the World Cup. That that's one no. blemish on him. I mean, I think every uh, although I did think Man some of the best players of all time didn't know. Very true, very true. But yeah, he is. He, and probably he is, won't. Yeah, I think. I, I think for right backs, there was two right backs. I actually forgot about Zanetti, but now that you've said him, I'll include it. For me, it was between it would Zanetti would be in there. I think Cafu of Brazil. Yeah, is is but the problem with Brazil is that <laughs> if you pick Carlos, if you pick Cafu. You're missing yeah. out on like yeah, two or three other world class players. Um and then yeah. you and you think that there are some other really good ones. I think the Dutch had a few decent right backs over the years from memory and you know Germany and stuff. But I think yeah, Zanetti is the obvious choice for a right back. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how many players we pick that are the same because so far it's quite different in terms of formation and players, which is making this really interesting. I was a little bit worried that we were going to come out of identicals here, but I don't think we are. I mean, I can tell you now, I've not gone for any Germans. So straight away, there's a difference there. And I've not gone for any Spanish. So this is interesting. And again, without giving too much away, let's move on to the midfielders. And we will start with you, mate, because you've gone for four across the the, the midfield. No, I've got you? one. I've got one between the midfield. So I've got like, like an anchor man. Yeah, an anchor man, basically. Yeah, um, and I think when I was looking back to my favourite World Cup of all time, it was 1990, and I was reading up on it for the show. The player that got voted player of the tournament in that tournament, and I remember scoring a brilliant goal as well. Had everything. Bit of a rival because he played for Inter Milan. Um, and he's German, um, but um, I'm going to go in low for Matthias because I need mm. someone. I need someone there to to support the defence. The rest of my team's so attack minded without a sort of defensive midfield. I did weigh up like Deschamps or Dunga or you know like Busquets or someone like that, right? To Mascarano to sit being my defensive midfielder. But when I think about it, Lofa Matthias was German captain. You know he was he was he won the World Cup as well in 1990. Played for Inter Milan for all those years. Um, I needed um, someone to sit in that hole that can spray balls around, but also can win win the ball. Um, and I think he was voted as I say the player of the tournament in in 1990. So he gets the nod for me. Yeah, great player. 100, 150 times he played for Germany. You know, yeah. like his, he won the World Cup in 1990. He was runner-up in 86, runner-up in 1982. So he's pedigree, you know, played played um, 115 times for Inter Milan, scored 40 goals, which for a defensive midfielder, you know, is a lot. Then played for Bayern Munich, played what? I'm looking at the maths here, about 300 times, scored about 80 goals. So he got a lot of goals. You know, when he started off in his first team, I can't pronounce this, but FC Hersegunorak or something. He played 22 games, scored 20 goals. Mm. You know, mm. this is a guy. I did contemplate having Hullet because when Hullet in his later career, he started to become a bit of a defensive midfielder as well when he was at Chelsea and stuff. But I think Mateus, just because he he was just so good in that World Cup and and like you know 150 caps and 
so you know so so um well um well renowned i'm saying here he's in the fifa i'm reading his wikipedia here fifa 100 greatest living players um chosen by um pele and he said he's the um diego maradona said of mateus he's the best rival i've ever had i guess that's enough to define him yeah maradona (laughs) saying he's the the best one then um yeah, there you go. Yeah, I can can't put a price on modesty, can you, Diego? No, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no a great player, German legend, uh, a great player. And actually, that leads me to talk about my choice um, because he was also named in Pele's top 100 players to have played the game. Um, I actually can't believe that I'm choosing a player to start in this side that has actually played 36 times for Barnet. <laughs> um, I know who and, you're going to do now <laughs> and it is it is of course Edgar Davids now yeah. I absolutely loved Edgar yeah, I loved his shout. energy mm. I loved his pace his defensive yeah. ability his passing his dreadlocks his glasses he was class and whilst he isn't dripping in silverware I really am trying to think about this tactically like you are and um I think every side needs an Edgar Davids. If we just kind of brush his... for Spurs, though, mate. I know, I know. Well, I wasn't going to mention that. I wasn't going to talk <laughs> about that. But uh, let's just concentrate on Barnet if we're going to go domestically for now. Uh, <laughs> but I think um, everyone needs an Edgar Davids. He, he would be my engine in midfield. And I've got to be honest, the Dutch players were were the ones that made me think because I've gone with Yapstam, who's a great centre-half, brilliant, world-class centre-half. But I kind of used that as a gateway to use Edgar. I did think about using uh, maybe Rio Ferdinand and Declan Rice or Steven Gerrard, but I don't know. When I think about this and who is going to be playing alongside, I just think Edgar would be outstanding in this role. So I'm going to go with Edgar Davids for my first midfielder, and that completes my Dutch pairing as well. So give us your next midfielder, pal. So obviously I've got two centrals, and then one on the left, one on the right. So I'll stick with the central. Um in my opinion, not talked about enough. He is talked about as one of the world's greatest, but not enough, in my opinion. Um, I was very tempted to put Paul Gascoigne in, but I just thought, again, 1990 was brilliant. 1996 was brilliant, but injuries and stuff kind of stopped him a little bit. And also, I've got to deal with his off-the-pitch issues, which I can't. I don't want to have that in the dressing room, which is why, <laughs> which is why Cristiano Ronaldo misses out as well, which is controversial because he was very, I love Ronaldo, very close to getting in, but I don't want the ego. I've got enough egos to deal with anyway. Let alone have someone that's two-team because he, he'd have to play on the wing for me. And um, I don't think he's going to give me the work rate. Anyway, so the player that I w- went with is Zidane. Now, unbelievable player you know when you, you just have to watch that period when he was at Juventus and then the France World Cup and then his early career at Real Madrid he was absolutely unbelievable unplayable some of the skill and some of the um, like the control and the goals and everything he just showed I mean I just remember watching games but I was, in my head it was more when he was at Juventus because obviously I watched a lot of Serie A in those days he was just so so good and I just can't believe Black and Rovers chose to keep Tim Sherwood ahead of him um, when, they were, when, they were, when they were offered the chance to sign him. They said, no, we've got Tim Sherwood, we don't need him. Um, oh this is ridiculous God. because he's, in my eyes, one of the greatest footballers to have ever lived um, and an absolute legend. You know, what you'd have here as well of your World Eleven is that you've got Africa slightly represented because um, obviously he was Algerian um, and, and, and he's massively popular over in Algeria. So uh, you've, got, you've got their fans supporting your team 
team as well. And I don't need to talk about it anymore. I mean, you know, World Cup winner, Euro Championship winner. Obviously, career ended in the most controversial circumstances. Oh, didn't it? You know, yeah, what a story to end your career on that World Cup where he was sent off for headbutting Mater- Materazzi. Um, but, um, but, um, something yeah. from Street Fighter, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. Oh, it was, yeah. Perfect. Such a weird, yeah. <laughs> such, a, such a weird way for his career to end. But also, you know, a captain, he's managed Real Madrid. Again, leadership qualities. So, yeah, Zidane is in there. Incredible player. Definitely, without question, one of the best of all time. And that brings me to my second central midfielder that sits alongside Edgar Davids. Absolute Rolls Royce of a midfielder, and that is Andre Perlo. So he is my second Italian. Um, Without question, one of the best deep-line playmakers the game has ever seen. Champions League winner, World Cup winner, personal awards coming out of his arse. So my second and final Italian to go into this side is Andre Perlo to sit along Edgar Davids. I hadn't even considered him. Do you know, when I was thinking about Italy, it was Buffon, Nesta, Maldini and Baggio. They were the four that Mm. I was really... Great players though. They're all great players. Really toying with those four, but Perlo's a great shout, mate, actually. And in in that defensive midfield role where I've got uh, Matthias Perlo would be a brilliant player to have had there. So that's a great shout. Yeah. Uh, another AC Milan player, just to drop that in. But um, yeah, uh, 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 brilliant. I mean, if you used to pick on that note as an AC Milan fan, I think you're the you're Italian oh. team as well, mate. If you used to pick your greatest ever AC Milan side, bloody hell, oh, that'd be a joke, but, wouldn't um, it? Yeah, but um, yeah, it's a great shout. That to be fair. Mm. So who sits alongside Zizou in that midfield for right, you? So this is where I was really, really torn. As I said, I was going through players. I was just literally. This is the position I kept changing the most. As I said, Gascoigne was in there, and then I had Hullet in there, and then I had like you know Rooney sitting deeper, and I had all these sort of different players I was playing with. But in the end, I was it goes back to the Spain thing and thinking of how good that Spanish side were um, in that period of the 2010, 2012, and how good Barcelona were. And I'm thinking Zidane's my guy. Get on the ball, spray the long passes around, take long shots, beat people with with skill and dribbling, but I want someone to play those through balls because my two forwards are very pacey, very direct. So I need someone to play through balls to them to run on with. Um, you know, uh, sort of a glorified Isle Berkovich, but I'm, um, I'm going hmm. with uh, Iniesta. Fantastic. I'm sure Iniesta hasn't been described as a glorified Isle Berkovich too many times in his career. <laughs> no, but, no, but, but this is a West Ham podcast, so let's it have is. it. There you go. And, he's, <laughs> and, he, and he scored the winner in the World Cup final as well. So he's yeah. also got that little, that sort of part of history and he's, uh, on his CV. Uh, he's, he was just an incredible player and his partnership with Xavi for all those years, yeah. it was it would be difficult to name a better partnership than those two. And yeah. Iniesta sitting alongside Zidane is quite frightening, actually. Mm. Um, right, so I'm going to now mention my final midfielder, if you like, and then you give me your two wingers, a bit like we did in reverse for the defenders, right? So um, my final midfielder, who is playing as a number 10 that sits in front of Perlo and Edgar Davids is Zinedine Zidane for the reasons that we've just mentioned. You haven't got him in the team. Uh, You've got to. I mean, look, one of the best playmakers of all time, one of the best players of all time, unbelievable control. He never seemed to lose the ball. Zidane, just incredible vision, superb creativity. Glorified Arthur Mesoraki. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Never gives the ball away. (laughs) Well, I actually have heard that uh, mentioned about him quite a few times in his career. So it's not the first, but but no, just just next level, wasn't he? And his goals were just unbelievable as well. So Zizou does complete my uh, my midfield three. And on that note, I'm going to ask you for your wingers. 
Right, so the, these guys <laughs> are going to have to do some some defensive work as well. And this is where this is where my issue is going to be because they're clearly attacking players. And I'm going to have to say to them, look, lads, you're team players. You work hard. And this is why Ronaldo didn't make it because whenever it's Ronaldo-Messi debate, I've always been slightly erring towards Ronaldo. Slightly because mm. I think he done it. he's done it in more leagues. You know, man, he's done it in... Um, for Man United, for Juventus, for Real Madrid. He's won something with Portugal. I know Messi's like the ultimate player and been amazing for, for Barcelona and stuff. I don't know if he's correct, like got to the same heights of PSG, but certainly you can't look beyond it. And I was really torn about having those two in the team because I think you've got to have um you've got to have what at least one of them in the team, if not two of them. So Purely because they're going to have to do some tracking back and they're going to have to do some getting work rate and stuff. I'm, and I don't, and I can't have the ego in the dressing room. I went with Messi, Messi on the left side. So with his right. left foot, so he's going to be obviously used mainly as attacker. We're going to go out gung ho from the blocks. My team, we're going to want to get two new up early on, two, three new up, and then we're going to start to take off your messes and bring on your Roberto Carlos's or bring on your. I had Ronald Koeman was another I had knocking around and bring on some defensive players and stuff. But Messi is going to get that get that left wing spot, and then on the right wing. Um, so Messi is my on its own nationality, because I haven't got another Argentinian. Right, right, Because, okay. uh, like I said, I played with Maradona. I thought about Batistuta. I thought about Tevez, Crespo. You know, there was loads of players. But I think um, I think Messi is going to be my only Argentinian. And then on the right, um, it's Ronaldinho. I, I just, the, the guy is yeah, just so him. talented, like, so fun to watch. Like, you know, I think he's the only player that, that scored in the um, Classico for Barcelona. I think it might have even been his first game for Barcelona. Scored an absolute world. Ian Real Madrid fans have clapped him. You know, he's so good. I had the benefit of watching both Messi and Ronaldinho in the flesh. Saw Messi play for Argentina against Croatia at Upton Park, that random friendly we hosted there. And he was unbelievable. And I saw Ronaldinho play for Paris Saint man versus Monaco for a 21st birthday present, I think. And he was watching both of them in the flesh. I think you don't appreciate how good they are until you actually see how good their control is and how skillful they are and how the defenders never get close to them. So Ronaldinho on the right, again, another AC Milan player on the right. Um, and um, Messi on the left with that midfield is so attacking. But my God, you'd just be so excited watching that. Messi and Ronaldinho taking people on on the wing, beating them for fun and then cutting in and doing brilliant shots then you got Iniesta playing the through balls Zidane taking people on and creating stuff in the middle playing it out to the wings and Mateus just sitting there making sure that if the that we do get counter-attacked we got his experience and his quality alongside those three solid centre-backs to deal with it but Messi and Ronaldinho are going to need some one-to-one -one coaching about tracking back <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there's one thing that slightly concerns me about this have you got Messi on the wrong side of the wing now? No, because he's left-footed, isn't he? Yeah, but is he not sort of famed for cutting in on his left and playing on yeah, the right? Yeah, he, he is. But then, I, so I could, I could do that. But I'm thinking if he's having to track back defensively, 
Venom, then I think it'd be better to be there. Swap them around if you like, mate. Either or, when I do the casicula, what I'm going to do throughout the game is switch their flanks either throughout anyway. So put put them either whatever side you want. But they're both going to be cutting in on their better foots. They're both going to swap wings to so the fullback. Thinks he's got used to dealing with Messi. Oh, now now he's got Ronaldinho. So yeah, just whatever order you want to put them on. Okay, mate. All right, fair enough. Well, that's um, that's good. That's impressive. So now we talk about the forwards. I've got three, and I'm guessing you've got two. If my math serves yeah. me right. Yeah. Uh, right. Let me kick off with the first one. And uh, for me, whilst uh, Cristiano is often talked about as the best Ronaldo of all time, I think for me it's R nine. Um, one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. The original Ronaldo. His yeah. nickname was actually the Phenomenon, which speaks volumes. What a player. He had everything. Pace, movement, unbelievable feet, strength, vision, clinical finishing. Just incredible. Um, unbelievable goal-scoring record. Two Ballon d'Ors, two World Cups, one Confederations Cup, two Copper Americas. Trophies coming out of his arse domestically. Just a legend of a game. So he is my number nine. Yeah, and same for me. Um, exactly for the reasons that you described. I think, again, like I don't think people like people overlook. They always talk about Messi and Ronaldo, as in Portuguese one, but that Ronaldo was just so good. The complete forward, pace, power, heading ability, dribbling, like everything, you know. And, and for me, he had to be in there and another AC Milan player. So I've got good, good, <laughs> yeah. good, um, good like relations here in my team because they all know each other. Real Madrid connections as well. They all sort of have played with each other before or, or know of each other well. But I think you have to. Any any team post-1990 has to have Ronaldo in. Obviously, like you said, won the World Cups, top scorer in the World Cups. Um, and yeah, just an absolutely unbelievable player. Yeah, definitely. Um, my next choice up front, who would be on the right, cutting in on his left, uh, would be Messi. He's the second Argentinian alongside Zanetti, uh, often described as the best of all time. I mean, I've always, genuinely, I've always leant towards him over Ronaldo in the modern day argument. More of a team player, in my opinion, uh, yet the score of incredible individual goals. I mean, you talk about great feet. I don't think I've seen anyone better in my lifetime with a ball. Um, Ronaldo comes very close, uh, very close, as in R9. But Messi, I mean, he's won seven Ballon d'Ors, a record six European Golden Boots. And at Barcelona, he won 35 fucking trophies. <laughs> I mean, the man isn't human. Not littered with international honours, of course, but in my opinion, the best player in this side. I mean, he is my bubba. He's my boo-boo-boo-boo. <laughs> um, uh, just different class. And on that note, mate, let's get your final forward, who I believe I've got a hunch as to who this is going to be. And I think I might have picked the same. Right, so this is this is just really, really hard, really hard because there's some forwards as well that you probably wouldn't even consider, but should be considered. Like closer, a Germany scored so many goals in World Cups. I think he's the all-time scoring, top scorer in World Cups. You know, for Germany, always scored, always scored for Bayern Munich and stuff. Like you can't look beyond him. Bergkamp, you know, brilliant player for for Holland. You know, there's so many forwards that you you could have in this list, but. I've got one Frenchman, um, which is Zidane, and I'm going to have Henri playing with him again, because if you've got Zidane and 
you've got um, Iniesta putting those through balls through. Imagine having Ronaldo and Omri with their pace and their directness and their skill and their finishing going against your defenders. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And um, and, and again, a, a, a good a good bloke, a good leader, which my team needs um, for discipline reasons. So yeah, <laughs> so Omri's Omri's there. Just an incredible player. One of the best players in Premier League history. He was consistently unplayable, lightning quick. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's hard to argue that. Great movement, great control, scored a variety of goals, many of which were weldies. He's been FIFA's Footballer of the Year a record three times and has come painfully close to a Ballon d'Or on a few occasions. Arsenal's all-time leading goal scorer, World Cup winner and a Euros winner. And for that reason, that is why he is also my final pick. Um, so we've uh, we've agreed on a couple there, but that is incredible. Who's skipper in your side? Because you have got a lot of leaders in there. I got my team's full of leaders. Um, I mean, obviously you could you could go with any of them really, even the keeper, Maldini, Nesta, Mateus, Sedan, um, even Omri. I think because of the position of where they're sitting and because of the importance of their role in, in my team and because looking at their ages, they're probably the oldest player as well. So the, the experience as well. I'm going to go with Mateus. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Right. I'm going to go for Maldini because he was uh, nicknamed El Capitano for a reason. Um, he's going to be my skipper. And if we just review this, so... My side, which is a 4-3-3, starts with Peter Schmeichel in goal. Javier Zanetti on the right as a right back. Roberto Carlos left back. Maldini and Yapstam are the centre-halves. Into midfield, got Andre Perlo and Edgar Davids with Zinedine Zidane playing in front of them in a number 10 role. And then we've got a front three of Thierry Henry, the original Ronaldo, R9, and Lionel Messi. And if we look at X's team, we've got... Um, a 3-1-4-2, is that fair to say? Or is it a 3-5-2, yeah. but with Lofa playing in it as the anchor man? We've got Manuel Neuer in goal, uh, a back three of Nesta, Puyol, Maldini, um, Lofa Mateus as the anchor man, with Zinedine Zidane and Iniesta centrally as a pair, Ronaldinho and Messi as the wingers, and Thierry Henry and the original Ronaldo uh, up front as a two. That was um, that was fantastic. Two excellent sides there. But we want to know who you think would win if they went up against each other. So we're going to release the poll on Patreon. And those that choose X's side will have their subscriptions terminated. Um, <laughs> speaking of X. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.